This is a podcast from Cambridge Assessment. For more downloads, visit cambridgeassessment.org.uk. Thank you, Bennett. Good morning, uh, ladies and gentlemen, uh, dear colleagues. It is a great honour uh, for me to be invited, and for the second time, to share some reflections with you this morning about the relationship between assessments and curricula in, uh, as I can see, uh, this relationship in different countries and educational systems. I feel that the various educational systems, uh, although they are largely different, and just inside Europe, educational systems are very different, I feel they are nevertheless confronted by the same problems, because of similar reasons indeed. Among these similar problems, as Simon said, uh, the link between assessments and curricula and the place to be accorded to assessments within educational systems. International comparison is relevant and I feel somehow a key issue, although I have no time now to elaborate on that point. On one hand, it is increasingly necessary for students, as well as for our organizations, I mean the ministries, the, the agencies, and the various bodies, to compare the qualifications between the countries to evaluate the equivalence between the various examinations from various countries. And on the other hand, a large part of what I would call our educational sovereignties are embedded in the ways we assess students. How could one compare the incomparable? Nevertheless, as you know, some international surveys although with the best intentions, do compare, maybe sometimes meaninglessly, as it was an idea suggested in Professor David Bridge's paper. The different kinds of relationships between assessment and curriculum could be classified into two main categories, the second one being itself further subdivided. Situation one, assessing and writing the curriculum are two separate functions in the system between which there should be a total coherence. However, it is often not the case. I have some illustrations from my own country as well as from developing countries. I would say that this situation is not very relevant for us today as it is easy to comment that there is some absurdity and unfairness, for instance, in changing the curriculum without modifying the ways students are assessed. Situation two, there is a relationship between the two functions, but in this situation, there is one, as I said, there is one subdivision depending on the type of curriculum being referred to. There is 
a situation in which the curriculum is defined as a strict and uniform reference point, one might imagine it would be easy to assess it. This kind of link between curriculum and assessment is appreciated, at least at first sight, by the parents and sometimes the students. The game is clear. The game seems clear. But it's appreciated by our ministers. One can easily see in a context of accountability the possible efficiency of the school system as a whole or of an individual school as well. It is also appreciated by the countries themselves who expect that the bodies which make international comparisons will share the same idea about curriculum and give them a good ranking. In the second situation, the curriculum is defined as a more complex object, referring to things that cannot always all be assessed through the standardized tests, that cannot um, um, things which need to take into account large competences, to take into account, up to a certain extent, the variety of the educational experiences of the students, to take into account the actual learning outcomes constructed by them. In this case, for instance, obviously a form of regulated continuous assessment or a form of school-made tests such as we find in some German lender or in some Italian examinations are among the best solutions amongst others. For people who have to deal with these issues and who have to find solutions, I mean for us, it's not easy to define rules which would ensure that good assessments match good curricula. I very recently had to give a report about the future of the baccalauréat to the French Minister of Education. The content of this report itself would be of no interest for you. However, I've been able to borrow a few ideas from it. It helped me to come to the conclusions which, which I will outline before you. First, as far as assessments and examinations are concerned, we ought to be prudent. We should adopt a well-balanced attitude, mixing various forms of assessments. No individual's education can be other than a rather complex operation. And it is the same for any individual's assessment. Although, obviously, it is neither possible nor desirable to assess everything. Second point, assessment is a vital part of every teacher's profession. Not only because he or she has to assess he or her students, but because there are and there will be more and more things that nobody else will ever be in the position to assess than the teacher himself. We have to take 
as many precautions towards continuous assessment as we take in case of written anonymous traditional tests because continue, the continuous assessment has to develop and it will. Last point, we must always bear in mind what, that assessment is not just an internal function of education. It is the pivot between the school and the society, including the economic world as a whole. Clearly, our examination systems must indicate to all the stakeholders what they measure and what they test. It is important to continuously monitor the social impact of each evaluation, the social impact. Uh, if we want to avoid unpleasant surprises that we often observe where there is a gap between, let's say, the initial objectives of some assessments and their unintended societal consequences. An assessment is not just a mere formality to rank people, schools, and nations. It must demonstrate to students their families, the citizens, and the nations themselves, not just simplistic figures of what some unthinking technocrats would call success, but the richness and the diversity of school achievements. Thank you for your attention.